Ah, yes. You know, I've said it before. Damn it, I'll say it again. It just feels a little bit different on a Friday. I think we're going to have a bit of fun today. Coach K back in the house. Two buck Chuck got a little chirpy late yesterday. Uh, check the tapes on that one. Uh, g'day, afternooners. Thanks for tuning in. However you are listening, we welcome you to our very broad house of worship. And remember, a big hello to the listeners across the SEN network. So SENQ 693am in Brisbane. SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. I'm working my way down south. Uh, SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Uh, you might want to send through your latitudinal, uh, uh, what are they called? Points. <laughs> Is that it? What are they called? Coordinates. That's it. Well done. Good word. Coach K's informed today. At least one of us is. Uh, I should be able to get a game with the Australian cricket team. But anyway, we'll get to that very shortly. Best caller today, $100 cash, all thanks to Tristan and the team at Top Sport. Best text message, it's back. So what have we got for the Who Am I? Do you want to make the Signet Boost Power Bank the Who Am I? The hand cream was such a hit. We'll get to that very shortly as well. Olivolio.store on that one. Remember, the Signet Boost Power Bank, that's going to keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. I know we say it every day, but today I really mean it. I really do. We've got a massive program coming up. So Kenny Callender was his thoughts on the Everest. Big day tomorrow. 45,000 people there at Royal Randwick, and they're turning people away. Not many businesses this day and age will be turning people away, but that's what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, Scotty Woodward, the analyst, he'll be on to have a look at the Pacific Championships and everything else going on in the world of rugby league. RJ Ochoa from the Ocho and SB Nation NFL show. We'll have a chat to him. We've got NFL going on at the moment. We'll keep you updated with that as well. Uh, Staffy and the crew over there at SENZ and the Million Dollar Chase, that's on tonight. So Mark Duclos, uh, Greyhound racing expert. I know Duke from a previous lifetime. Good, good man. So uh, it'd be great to have him on the program. You can be a part of it as well. one 1170 The text line 0457-736-736. We've got a very good talk topic today. Just all that thought that went into it. I think it was about the last 20 seconds before we came on air. All right. Where to start? The Everest. It is tomorrow. It is captured well, I'll go further than New South Wales imagination because the turnover suggests that there's people betting on it all around the globe. So 12 runners, who wins? We'll speak to Kenny Callender about that. But would you believe, would you believe that Peter Volandis is being bullish about the event? So the Melbourne Cup's old and traditional. <laughs> We're young, vibrant and, and, and ready to go. So this is, you know, this is partying, being, having a good time and... So, and that's what Sydney does better. You we have a good time up here. Oh, there you go. That was on the Today Show. So that was going national. Uh, well done, PVL, on that one. So uh, how are you engaging with the Everest tomorrow? I know we asked earlier in the week, but I think I'll be at the Royal Hotel. What do you mean, I think I'll be? I'll be at the Royal Hotel at Camden engaging with the Everest uh, tomorrow afternoon. So come in and say day and grab a beer and have a bet. Uh, do it responsibly. But how are you engaging with the Everest. Michael Maguire won't be. He's busy. He's got three gigs. So um, that was our talk topic yesterday, Coach K, multitasking, given the fact that – so he's confident that he can commit 100% to the Kiwis. I know he's committed to the Kiwis 100% right now. Hasn't yet signed the deal, agreed in principle. So um, when you look at it in this way, and and Madge is saying, yeah, I can do it. So Blue's not a full-time gig. New Zealand – 
not a full-time gig. Players don't cross over. Times don't cross over. Raiders, full-time gig. Now, that's where Ricky Stewart and the Raiders board, I guess, will come into play and say, yep, Madge, we're happy for you to do that. Or no, Madge, we're, we're not happy for you to do that. That's to be determined. But at this stage, we've had... Uh, no word directly from Greg Peters, but the mail coming out of New Zealand Rugby League is that they are fine with Michael Maguire being the New South Wales Blues coach. Remember, that'll be for 2024. He's got to deal with the New Zealand Kiwis until 2025. So that goes past that. Uh, the Kiwis, that might be an interesting one if Michael Maguire was to pick up a full-time gig in the National Rugby League. But as they say, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Speaking of coaches who appear on this program, Mal Meninga, the Kangaroos coach, has called for sweeping changes to test eligibility. Now, I know Mal's talked about it on this program a number of times. To recap, Australia, England, New Zealand, their Tier 1, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, France, Papua New Guinea, second tier status. And remember, that relates to the strength not of your team, but of your domestic competition. So New Zealand, you could look at them and say, well, hang on, they've only got one side in the elite competition, and what's their next tier of competition look like at the domestic level? I think there's concerns around that. So uh, Mal pushing for this. What I would like to see is that every player nominates which country they want to play for right at their first registration in the NRL. That way, there is no confusion around who they are eligible for. Murray Taolungi was the issue that we had coming out of the PM's 13 and now playing for Samoa tomorrow night. Liam Martin will be up against him. So Liam Martin's up there having a bit of fun with the Queenslanders. Can you believe it? How does this, how has this happened? Uh, let's hear from Liam Martin, courtesy Danny Widler, Channel 9. Your friendly now with the Queensland. Is that a hard thing to do? Befriend them? Oh, no, that's just footy. Like, Come on. You know, honestly, like, um, you know, they're all great guys. Um, you know, they're absolute legends. So uh, once footy's sort of finished and you're off the field, you become mates. And, um, yeah, it's just the same with Australia. Is it hard to have a Queensland friend? That's what we're asking our listeners today. No, we're not. We're not asking that. Shout out to you. Scotty Sattler. Uh, but there you go. So Liam Martin's all set to go. So that's one of the players that is there for the Kangaroos. One of the players that isn't there. Josh Adokar had the meeting with Phil Gould today. Uh, so we'll learn exactly what comes out of that. He's been uh, in a bit of controversy of late Josh Adokar. We know that best the best of Josh Adokar, and I'm talking on and off the field, the best of Josh Adokar is very valuable to any team, any club, but uh, they haven't quite had that of late have the Bulldogs. So be very interested to hear what Gus and Josh Adokar uh, had to say today in their little sit-down. So all we can say is come on the Kangaroos, come on the Jillaroos, because there's plenty of Australian sides not doing well. And we are no chance of winning the ICC World Cup. There you go, I said it. Uh, they were crushed, the Aussies. We have spoken, what, for the last two days, three days, about the squad, the balance of it, how it's been put together, why it's been put together. And if there was one constant in this side over the course of the last four years, no one has played more games over the course of the last four years than Alex Carey. So what happens last night? No Alex Carey. Josh Inglis comes in. Well done, Josh. I mean, that's congratulations to you, but this is strange. So the George Bailey and Andrew McDonald era has all been about pick and stick, pick and stick. David Warner out of Nick, that pick and stick. Okay, Travis Head was put out for that one, but that was silly. So pick and stick, pick and stick. Uh-oh, 
in a bit of trouble. Pick and stick Pat Cummins. Josh Inglis comes in for Alex Carey. So if you want to have a look at the scorecard, oh, it makes for really bad reading. 134 run loss. The star, Quinton de Kock, absolutely amazing. Watched most of that dig. He just hits the ball so cleanly. But here's the scary thing for Australia. So seven for 311, South Africa. And then all out in 40.5 overs for 177. Manus Labashain, 46 off 74, the best of the batsmen there. Best of the bowlers? Best of the bowlers. Glenn Maxwell, two for 34. Maxie's our best bowler. Not our best spinner. Our best bowler. He's a part-timer. He's a casual. He's a Johnny-come-lately. Here's Pat Cummins after the match. What are you going to say up in the change room there after a, a performance like that, and particularly because none from two? Uh, yeah, I think you might. Um, probably not much needs to be said tonight. I think everyone's hurting. Um, so we've got a few days. The next game's here as well. So we'll group and um, regroup. And, yeah, everyone's hurting. So we'll try and make amends. Sri Lanka in luck now. That's the next challenge for this Australian side who are now out of form and you would think playing with no confidence, which brings me neatly to the Wallabies. Eddie Jones, he's back, committed to Australia, quote-unquote. So he's at the airport, he's being pestered, committed to Australia. Press conference on Monday, going to speak with Rugby Australia. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Phil War, Phil War, CEO of Rugby Australia, who said, no, Eddie, tells me he has had no contact with Japan rugby officials. But, uh, well, as I said, mate, I'm committed to Australia but I've got to have a press conference on Monday. So anyway, we watched that one with a great deal of interest. Tim Zhu, Brian Mendoza, we've talked about that already, but Brian Mendoza, very confident going into Sunday's Super Welterweight World Title Blockbuster. That's up at the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre. So Zhu, 23-0, Mendoza, 22-2. You can get it on KO too, the main event on KO. So, uh, But he did knock down... Uh, or see Tim Zoo get knocked down by Terrell Gausher. Uh, and that, of course, he forced, fought back to win, Timmy Zoo. But Brian Mendoza says he has seen something. George Rose from No Limit Boxing uh, talked about Tim and what might be there beyond this fight for Tim. Let's take a listen. I'm always behind Tim. And for me, it's looking at what the opportunities are either side of that because... If we want big fights, we've got to look at who's out there and um, showing that Canelo's there. Canelo's a face of boxing. That's why, you know, you can't rule out that opportunity happening. But you, we did see what happened with Charlo. I think the difference with Charlo and Tim is that any opportunity that Tim gets, he puts 100% in. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that was 100% performance. Um, but if Tim ever got an opportunity like that, you'd see 100% from Tim. And I don't think there's any doubt on that. George Rose there talking before this fight on Sunday that whenever you see Tim Zoo do anything, he's committed to it full time. So we wish him all the best on Sunday. Gareth Southgate is the coach or the manager of England. Uh, I know Coach K's got something about this. We've got a game tomorrow morning. Right, This is a friendly uh, Australia at Wembley. The Socceroos at Wembley. Now, yesterday I saw on social media, Goose hitting and Ange Postacoglu turned up. So Arnie had them there. Graham Arnold had them with the team. So we'll hear a little bit about that later on in the program. So there you go. So if it's not the Kangaroos or the Jillaroos, the Socceroos, the Netball Diamonds, they've done it. So uh, that is good news on the back of their win 
last night against New Zealand. Just before we go to the break, we're going to have a chat with Kenny Callender first up. He'll find us a winner for the uh, Everest. Might even have a look at some of the other races around. Just from Fox Sports, <laughs> Bernie Eccleston has pleaded guilty. Bernie used to run Formula One, and I mean with an iron fist, has pleaded guilty to fraud after failing to declare more than £400 million pounds of overseas assets. So, I mean, I'm as shocked as anyone to think that somehow Bernie Eccleston had a Singapore trust fund that had over $400 million, more, £400 million pounds in it. I mean, to be honest, I'm deeply shocked by that. And he didn't declare it when he had to back in 2015. So there you go. Hidden treasures could be our talk topic for today. It's not. Talk topic for today on this Friday. We have a bit of fun. The casuals, the part-timers, the uh, the Johnny-come-latelys. That's because Maxi at two for 34 off 10 with one maiden is our best. He's our best bowler at the World Cup. You know my casual, the part-timer, Alan Robert Border. That one's for you, green-keeping rooster. January 26th to 30th, 1989, fourth test against the West Indies. Had a oh, You should have a bowl, AB. He was skipper. He underbowled himself all the time. He went, oh, right, I'll have a bowl. Seven for 46. And to top it off, four for 50. So 11 for the match in the second. He just scored the 75 runs, too, at the time. Seven for 46, four for 50 for the part-timer, Alan Robert Border. So... Send them through. The $100 cash is there, all thanks to Top Sport. You can get it on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 You can get us on the text line, 0457-736-736. Righto, let's get going. We've got the Everest coming up tomorrow. We've got Test Rugby League as well. We've got a cricket side that can't get out of their own way. And apparently the Rugby World Cup is on. I think that just about sums it up. Let's get to the break. And after that, we're back with the legendary Kenny Callender. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who's listening to this program, and I'm including Harry from Belmore, that has more experience around racing than our next guest. Uh, very much beloved by the listeners, Kenny Callender is on the line. G'day, Ken. G'day, Jimmy. How are you, mate? Mate, I am really well. Excited about the weekend. No doubt you are as well. Before we get into the market and the runners and uh, all the pizzazz around the Everest, I want to ask you about it. You know, it's only in its seventh edition. To, to think about the success that it's become and the, the turnover that it now generates, second biggest race in the Australasian racing calendar. Do you think it's it, it, it was a market that was missed previously? Was it seen and then fulfilled? Was it gaining momentum afterwards? Is it all of those things? How do you explain the, the Everest as it stands now, Ken? Well, there was certainly a gap in October New South Wales administrators in years gone by, spearheaded by breeding people, were content to stop the big races early in October and give Melbourne a month free free kick of all the big races, which was absolutely stupid. I used to write about it occasionally in my column, but Peter Volandi's come in. (laughs) You know, you can have a love-hate relationship with Peter, but by God, he did something. He said, bugger that, we're going to have some big races in October too. And he started with the Everest. He had a bit of trouble filling the slots, I think, at first. Yeah. But now people are clamouring in it to get them. Like John Massaro wasn't in it originally, who's a big name and a, and a great thinker. Uh, Godolphin weren't in it. They're all in it now. Henry Field, they've all jumped on the bandwagon. and They're big names in the breeding industry. And they can see what the race is doing, not only for New South Wales, 
but Australia. Jim, I thought it was a fairly fair idea. I didn't go overboard when it was mooted. I've got to say it's far exceeded my expectations and it's a fabulous event and good on them. Does it need Group 1 status? Does it matter knowing what Yes, Yes, Yes has been sold for and now stands as a sire? Mate, who cares? Right. In 2018, Victoria voted against uh, and they, got their, they, like New South Wales, have the right to veto on the uh, Australian Racing Board. They voted it against having Group 1 status, which was petty jealousy, too silly for words. So who gives a damn whether it's called a Group 1 or not? The losers are the people that are trying to promote Group 1 racing. Yeah. And they're the ones who really voted against it. So it is a Group 1. It's the best sprint race, you know, certainly in Australia. And every year, uh, the best horses want to get there. I'm surprised this year that Imperatiz is not there. Mm. I think their owners are trying to build up an easy record. I think they're a bit scared to come to Sydney. They came here once and got beat, and they're not going to come back. Who cares if she's not here? She's not the best anyway. We've got uh, the very best horses in this race, and it'll be a super event. $20 million up for grabs at 4.15 tomorrow at Royal Randwick. Top of the market is number three. Think about it. And I wish I winners drop back a little after the barrier draw. What do you see with those two lead runners, Ken? Uh, I think they've both got great chances. Mm. Uh, Peter Moody and uh, the owner, Gary Chittick, seem to think that I wish I win needs an outside alley. He's good enough and the race will break up a bit. Uh, I think he'll get his chance. I think, uh, think about it, he'll certainly get his chance. He'll take up a nice spot from Barrier 5. Uh, personally, I like the three-year-old from Godolphin Cylinder. Right. I think he ticks all the boxes. I love three-year-olds in uh, wait-for-age races in September, October. I think the allowance they get as they're developing is a big, big help. And I think Cylinder... Two three-year-olds have won the, the Everest. Uh, yes, 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 and Giga Kick. I think Cylinder's certainly got better form coming into the race than Yes, Yes, Yes had. And I think he's got at least equal, if not better, than Giga Kick had. Mm. Plus, the way the barriers have fallen, Jimmy, Overpass is the leader. And it's yep. got barrier two. Now, in barriers one and three, uh, horses that won't go towards the lead. The horse we just said, uh, Peter Moody saw, so I wish I win. And uh, Espiona's in three. Yep. Now, they'll, they'll be content to take a position midfield. Mm. Cylinder always flies the lids. And from barrier four, he'll cross straight outside overpass, possibly let overpass go. And alcohol three is the only horse I think will really come from out wide going forward. If he wants to let it go... I think he can either be running second or third all the way. He's well-weighted, and I think he's a damn good horse. He's running the Golden Rose. It was uh, fabulous. He was trapped deep. And what did you tell us about Zach Lloyd a couple of weeks ago? No fear in backing him. Yeah, I think he's the best apprentice since Malcolm Johnston. I've yep. got no fears in backing Zach Lloyd. And like all young people, Jim, they know no fear. He'll get up there ready to have a go. Yeah. All right. Number 12 cylinder from gate four, currently $8 at topsport.com.au. Um, what about some of the other races uh, before we get to uh, the Caulfield Guineas? Um, have you had a look uh, elsewhere? We've got the King Charles III. It's just the $5 million race, Ken. 
Yeah, what a super race. Uh, just to correct too slightly, we say the $20 million Everest, but $10 million, uh, close enough, goes back to the slot holders. And uh, it, it's really $10 million, but that still makes it the best race around anyway. Yeah. And uh, the King Charles, $5 million, what a race. What a race. Look, Mr. Brightside's obviously the horse to beat. At $2 or $2.10, I think he's way under the odds and I'm prepared to bet against him. Uh, I think Chris Waller's got two horses with great chances. Fan Girl, who's about $7, and uh, Kovalika, who's $19. I think $19 Kovalika is a fabulous gamble. Needs luck from 15 Alley, but he's a very good horse. And I think the other horse who's over the odds is number one, Kerry Parker's horse, uh, Think It Over. Uh, he's got fabulous form at the Randwick Mile in top class company. He won the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, which is the best weight for age race in the autumn. And uh, uh, over the, the uh, Randwick Mile, he's had 10 starts. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, six starts and for two wins and three placings. So he likes, and, it's, and all of them have been in top class events. I think he's good odds at $14. Okay. As I say, Mr. Brightside, the horse to beat. But I think Think It Over and uh, Kovaliga are both great value. Have you look, had a look at the Caulfield Guineas? And I'd imagine the turnover for Caulfield is swelled because of the, the interest in the, the Everest and other races at Royal Randwick, right? Most certainly is. And also, I think Randwick's helped by being such a good program at Caulfield. Yeah. Jim, I've certainly looked at the Caulfield Guineas. The next star horse of, uh, in Australia... The up-and-comer Militarise is the favourite. Militarise has won four races, and three of them have been at Group 1 level. Uh, he's drawn 12 of 15, which is a little bit of a problem. I concede that, but I still think he's good enough to win. The $2.80 upsets me a little. I like a better <laughs> price, but I still think I'll back him. How will you be spending Everest Day tomorrow, Ken? Well, Jimmy... I'll be at Randwick enjoying myself. Uh, fantastic. That's the way it should be. Mate, as always, uh, absolutely outstanding. Privileged to have you on. Really appreciate it. You enjoy your day and, of course, the big day tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. Hope I didn't talk too much. No, absolutely. Ken Callender, legend of the turf. We'll take a break and then we'll back with more. Thank you, Amy. Welcome back to the program. Uh, lots of people giving us their part-timers, so keep those coming in. Uh, Crime Scene has actually given us his coordinates. Thank you. 20.0829 degrees south, 146.24595 degrees east. Thank you, Crime Scene. I'm going to put that in to uh, uh, Kenny apologising for talking too much. Give him an hour every week, Jim. It's a bit like that, isn't it, Paramat? Uh, it is such a familiar voice and... Uh, uh, a soothing voice in many ways. Afternoon, Jimmy. Greg from Gundagai here. I will be watching the Everest from the public bar at the Family Hotel in Gundagi. I'll be there from opening time, which is 10 a.m. Schooner in my hand. My tip for the race is private eye. Well, the part of me says, I hope that wins. And then there's another part says, for you, Greg. Um, but I won't be backing private eye. So there you go. Let's find out who... This bloke, hang on, he's moved everything. Here we go. Let's find out who this bloke is going to be backing. Time for a sports update with Coach K. So you know when we deleted all of those things yeah. earlier, they moved everything in the on our little wishboard here, whatever we call it, panel. Um, 
Now, who are you backing in the Everest, mate? Look, Jimmy, you know, I, I love my horse racing, as you know, but if Ken likes Cylinder... Right, exactly. I, I guess I've got to go for Cylinder. Good point. If it's good enough for Kenny Calendar... It's certainly it's, good it's enough It's good for enough me. for you. What do you have, $2 each way on it? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll 100% watch it as well. I heard you yesterday. I know you had a wedding on, but I yeah. heard yesterday early in the morning just doing the form for oh, Everest. Is no, that yeah. right? Got the papers and everything going down. You know me, Jimmy. Best bets. You got best, best time bets? of the year. Best time of the year. The spring carnival. <laughs> <laughs> you, the only thing about spring yeah. that you're in, impacted by is hay fever, isn't it? You think, yeah, oh, yeah. No sprays galore at home. No. Mrs. does it too. Yeah. No. There you go. Uh, now, you're casual, your part-timer. Have you got one for yeah, us? Yeah, 2009, Jimmy. I remember Isaac Luke, phenomenal oh, hooker. I know it's a rabbit-o's player. I know, I know. But yeah. he was a part-time goal kicker. So Chris Sando was the predominant goal kicker. Yes. Um, and then Isaac Luke chimed in and, and had a fair shot. And I'm just having a look at the Rugby League Project and – we have a th- like first round. He did round. a lot of goal kicking. He did. He did quite a lot. Yeah, and he was pretty good at it too. You know, one from twos. He had three from threes. A couple of two from two. So he was decent. I tell you what. In two thousand and nine, the year you remember, mm. he kicked at fifty five point five six percent. Right. Right. His career average mm. was seventy two percent. From two hundred and eighty five shots at goal, he kicked two hundred and five goals. Yeah, that's ex- yeah. wow. You know, there was there was one time. And there was the conversation. Everyone loves a good debate. But people were arguing that Isaac Luke mm. could have been better than Cameron Smith. Can't remember exactly what year it was. I think it might have been 07. Well, they were – no, 07's when he first started. But when, when he was there – he was a very different player. He was. He, he was more in the Brandon Smith mould yeah. than, than the Cameron Smith mould. Mm. But he had a great running game, had a very good passing game. Uh, he, was a, he was a very good player, Isaac Luke. What, he played 286 games. He's just fallen short – of 300 NRL games, and then uh, he, no, he didn't play over in the UK. So there you go. Yeah, mm. very good career. Very, very good indeed. Now, I've got some scores. Should we touch base on a few here, Jimmy? Let's start with the Cricket World Cup. I know you touched on it briefly. I won't go mm. too much into it, but mm. South Africa we defeated should. Australia. No, we don't need to. Yeah. By 134 runs, Quinton de Kock, 109 off 106. At the rate they're tracking South Africa, they could be the favourites, couldn't they? Uh, no, India are clearly, but South Africa into second favoritism with topsport.com.au on the Australia were second favourites. Yes. And we talked about this with Tristan a couple of days. Like the money just kept coming for Australia in that game and they just kept getting wider and wider, the yeah. South Africans. And, uh, mm. they were, they were a mile off the yeah. Aussies. Yeah. Not great. Uh, Kansas city chiefs, 10 Denver Broncos zip. That's it. That's at halftime what it looks like right now. Mm. So Google hasn't quite updated, but yes, 10-0 is the score. To the NBL, 103-73. The Jackies, Tasmania Jack Jumpers defeated the uh, Illawarra Hawks. Have we got a new star on our hands in the NBL? Who are you referring to? Milton Doyle? Yes. Yeah, he's a star. 19 points, 5 assists, 9 rebounds. He's the real deal. As is Floyd Mayweather's first cousin, Jordan Crawford. <laughs> Thank you very much. 17.6 assists. Okay. Well, you get to push and shove with him on the court. Oh, God. Yeah, well, you don't. <laughs> it was like when uh, Anthony Mundine came mm. into the rugby league. I remember mm. that the Western Reds played the Dragons. I reckon it might have even been the first ever game when the Western Reds yeah. played the Dragons. And Mark Guy, Mark Guy, who was, you know, yeah. crazy on the field, there was a push and shove. And he even said afterwards, like, oh, hang on. That's Anthony Mundine. Now, MG towered above. Mundine. But Mundine had this yeah. reputation because his old man could box and yeah. he had some amateur boxing. Mm. He then went on to be a world champion. So, you know, maybe MG was onto something. We talk about some of the biggest name celebrities that turn up to Hobart. I reckon Floyd May- Mayweather ever turned up to Hobart. It could be the biggest thing to hit the town. 
Hobart. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather. Can you? Yeah, well. He's a zillion to one to, to turn, turn up. up. I don't a know. A zillion to one. Hey, there's a lot to do in Hobart. Mate, well, if I was you, you know what I'd do? Well, I know you love your punting. Yeah. I'd put a dollar on that. Okay. <laughs> dollar, dollar it is. Hey, uh, and just before I do wrap up, Josh Giddy is in action in the fourth quarter. We've got to get to a break just quickly. No, uh, we're all right. We've got to a 40. Five, okay. Take your time. Five points, four assists, seven rebounds in 22 minutes. They're down by one with six seconds remaining in a preseason match. Preseason. Uh, yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, and the Diamonds. They take a 1-0 lead in the series over New Zealand with a 50-40 to victory. That's in the Constellation Cup at John Kane Arena, so that's a good result. And also in the UEFA European Championship qualifying, Spain defeated Scotland 2-0. And, of course, Erling Haaland scored for Norway. They defeated Cyprus 4-0. Scored two, actually, 65th and 72nd minute. Chiefs have just kicked a field goal with literally no seconds remaining on the clock. Uh, So now the kicker and the... Uh, snap holder are all pumped up, which is fair enough to like <laughs> everyone ignores them at training, so might as well get excited during the game. <laughs> it's true, yeah, it's true. All right, now let's get to the break. Coming up next, our man Steffi over there at SENZ. All right, all right, we we left it tight, we left it tight, patch through to Australia, but we got there. Yeah, we got on there. Hey, Steffi. <sighs> Haven't got the dreamest disease over in New Zealand, mate. Top of the table in the in the Cricket World Cup. Off to the quarterfinals this weekend in the Rugby World Cup. Sorry, have we got this line through to New Zealand? <laughs> I tell you what, if CJ Waller or Bjorn Baker or James McDonald win the Everest, that'll do me. That'll do me too. That'll do me too. But the Everest is massive here. Like I'd imagine it's huge over there, of course. But this... I wish I win has just captured the sporting public over here. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, drifted after the barrier draw. So, uh, but PG Moody, yeah, yeah. Moody said, no, nah, we're going to go a bit further forward. So um, we just had the great Kenny Callender on, the legend of Australian oh. turf. So uh, getting his he thoughts on it. Do you, want to, do you want to know his tip? Can I? Okay, go on. My listeners know my tip. So what's his tip? Cylinder. Cylinder. Mm. Wow. Mm. Who's your tip? Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O. Any particular? Why? I've watched its two lead-up runs. Mm. Uh, it was second to think about it. Who's like a four-dollar-fifty favourite, and yes. it was closing rapidly on it. It won a Guineas race, a Queensland Guineas, I think it was. One of the Guineas races, just on its ear. Good draw for it. My only concern is it does get back a little bit. And it can't afford to give some of these pacey types too big a head start. But James McDonald as well on top. Great. And the other one is if it wins, Singo's going to shout the bar. I said, I saw that yesterday. 40,000 beers, old yeah. boy, he said. Yeah. That's amazing. Fair enough. He's done it before, you know. He's done it. He's won golden slippers and shouted the bar out at Rose Hill. He, he was described in the newspaper article yesterday as a larrikin, which is brilliant. That, that sums him up. A, a good larrikin, though, isn't he? He doesn't have... He doesn't have any negative press about him, does he, Singo? No. 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 That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to find Cylinder. $8.50. Zach Lloyd drawn four. James Cummings. Mm. Mm. You want to know my tip? I think I've got about four. (laughs) (laughs) No, but here's my tip. From Well, it's via the analyst. We're going to speak to him a little bit later, but I'm releasing this now. Shinzo. Shinzo, okay, yes, that's that's had a, been in some conversations at the Walla Horse. Each have way, you heard each about way. The promotion, have you heard about the promotion over here? Only open to New Zealanders, unfortunately. What's that? 
the TAB here has competition. If you can pick, now it's, it's nigh on impossible, but it's doable. Pick the fir- uh, pick the 12 runners in order. Oh. Pick them in order. If you can do it, $10 million. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's something like 429 million to one chance you can do it, but <laughs> someone might tenace it. You, you know, uh, you know the the one that they do in the US is uh, you'd be aware of uh, March Madness. Yep. The NCAA basketball competition: sixty four teams go in, one team emerges as the NCAA champion. They always have the bracket available, and Warren Buffett every year offers a <laughs> billion dollars. Who anyone can get the bracket correct? Wow! No one gets it correct. Wow! And the odds—I don't know the odds on that, but getting those, it, it would be you know in the in the millions and millions and millions to one. I remember there was a rugby world cup a while ago, and I was at the TAB there uh, as the media manager, and we 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 were going to do a bracket. It was just pick the winner of the game, but in rugby, about ninety percent of them, you know who's going to win. You just don't know yeah. the score. So we made it winning team and margin across. Across the tournament, yeah, and I think it was the one that Japan beat South Africa or something like that. Uh, basically, it was that we had something like sixty-five thousand entries, yeah, and it was done after four games. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's that's what happens. First round, like two rounds in, everyone's out of the bracket. Mm. Uh, on, on the, I was, I thought you were going to say me and my mate from the tab won it. <laughs> no, no, I won pools. I won pools once. I won pools, which was picking ten games of rugby and league, five games of rugby, five games of league across the weekend, winning ten and margin all ten games. Me and my mate put in each, put in like hundred and twenty bucks each, and we got it. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Nice. Gamble yeah. responsibly, everyone. Okay, gamble responsibly. Whatever you do, if you are gambling, don't gamble on the Australian cricket side. No, it's dark times, eh? It's not just losing. It's the manner in which you yeah. lose. Like, that's that's the concern for this Australian cricket team. Um, we've talked about it all week. Uh, and speaking to people in the game that know it inside out, just looking at the squad going, what? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's the thing, Jimmy. You're yeah. bloody good at cricket. I don't mind admitting it. You guys are amazing at cricket. And, yes, it's in India, but... You guys are awesome at cricket. doesn't matter who you play or where you play, but you're getting pumped. Yeah. So we haven't got the right team there. Um, and as a result of that, we're not employing the right tactics. And as a result of that, we're getting pumped by good sides. Like India's one of the top sides in the competition. South Africa, we've now elevated them to second favourites in the competition. <laughs> I tell you what, you want to get better, play Australia in cricket. <laughs> That'll when help. When do we play them, actually? When do we play you guys? Yeah, you That'll guys be... will play us soon. That'll be a good crossover. Uh, not so much. Hey, we're looking at the part-timers today. So the yep. part-time. So Maxie, we love Maxie now. <laughs> Maxie's our best bowler. He the no-show. Yes. The no-show. No, the big show. Come on. The, the big show is our best bowler now. So have you got any – and we're talking about Alan Border when he got 11 wickets in an innings against in – a, in a game against the West Indies, seven for and four for at the SCG. Do you have a, do you have a part-timer that comes to mind that – did something. did something like that. I remember Mark Richardson, an opening batsman, took a test wicket. He actually started out as domestic cricket as a left-arm spin bowler and was never going to get anywhere. And they said, mate, 
concentrated on your batting. He became a, a, a test opener, and he averaged about 50 at the end of his career. And they just had time to fill, or they wanted someone to chase, and so they said, turn your arm over. And he took a test wicket, and he fair dinkum, did the full aeroplane sprint around the boundary, <laughs> weaved in and out the wicket. <laughs> he couldn't believe he had a test wicket. Uh, I remember speaking to the late, great Dean Jones in a dressing room at Hurstville Oval after a, 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 a charity match. And I, he had one test wicket, and the test wicket was R.J. Hadley. Mm. That's a good one. Like, if you're going to get one, that's a good one. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Sean Johnson, <laughs> no points. It's just awkward now, isn't it, I think? <laughs> I see. I saw on the rundowns that your wonderful producer sent out, you had a bit of a discussion yesterday about Madge. And I think by reading your producer's notes, you guys don't have an issue with him coaching Canberra and the Blues and the Kiwis. None whatsoever. Don't tell me you do, Sam. Massive well, issues. I don't want to say massive issues, but what he pick, as soon as he picks a Canberra play, a rate of, um, player for origin, there's just going to be screams of nepotism. Like the guy spends like every day of the week with them, then all of a sudden pulls one or two of them into origin camp and everyone's just going to say it's nepotism. So he's, well, well, or not. here's the other one. What if he doesn't pick Hudson Young? How's well, that correct. conversation that as well. And then how, well, here's the thing, Jimmy, as well. The Kempe raised, I think, is an interesting point. I know you're probably going to argue it, but isn't it funny that you're allowed to coach the Kiwis in New South Wales, but you're not allowed to play for the Kiwis in New South Wales? Very good point. And Mal Meninga's had a go at that today too around eligibility. Mm, so, I like that. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, you've got to go. Guess what, guys? I've got to go. I think there's an echo in here too. <laughs> hey, boys, go See Shinzo. Go Shinzo. Oh, Hawaii 5 <laughs> uh, Very good, lads. Have a great weekend. Uh, they are good people. That is Staffy and the crew over there at SENZ. Okie dokie. Welcome back to the program. Friday afternoon, second hour of it, uh, 1-300-01-1170. If you want to be a part of the program, $100 cash up for grabs. Thanks to Tristan and the team at Top Sport. And get us on that text line as well, 0457-736-736. The only negative about Singo is he's been married eight times. He should have woken up after the second. Oh, 206. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Although Singo does have a – he has got a saying about it. He said, rather, the next time he feels like getting married, he'll wait five years and find someone that hates him and give them their his house. So, anyway, uh, welcome back to the listeners. 6.93 a.m. up there in Brizzy. Uh, SEN 16.20 a.m. on the Gold Coast. SEN 11.70 a.m. in Sydney. Just on that, Malcolm Johnson, given it's a racing flavour, used to say, ask his wife what she wanted for her birthday, and she would answer, a divorce. And he would say... I wasn't planning on spending that much, allegedly, allegedly. That's what he would tell us anyway. If you're enjoying the program, make sure, and you've missed the early doors, so check out the podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Afternoons with Jimmy Smith is the way you and track us down. So we've got the analysts coming up very shortly. We'll have RJ Ochoa next hour, Tay-Tay in the house, still 13-0. It is the Chiefs over the Broncos. We've got the Who Am I, which Chuck did yesterday as well. So did did okay. He was he was no coach K though. So we do know that for a fact. Mark Duclos from uh, give us the latest on the uh, the million dollar chase coming up tonight too, which is you and I talked about going to that. Whatever happened to that coach K? Yeah. 
Uh, it didn't happen. Uh, Michael Maguire confirmed as the well, sorry, not signed the line, but uh, signed the dotted line, but has uh, agreed in principle to be the coach of the New South Wales side. So uh, Sammy Hewitt not happy with that, but Blues not full time, New Zealand not full time, Raiders. Well, that is full-time, so that will have to be sorted uh, with Ricky Stewart and the Raiders, I would have thought. Now, Mal Meninga, from an eligibility point of view, has come out and spoken again. There was that issue with Murray Taolungi. He was in the PM's 13. Now he's in Samoa, played for Australia at the Rugby League World Cup. So remember, Tier 1, Tier 2. Does it make any sense this day and age, given that Samoa has made a World Cup final? So they beat England, a Tier 1 nation, to make a World Cup final. They're a Tier 2 nation. It doesn't seem to make any sort of sense around that. I don't know whether... And look, this whole eligibility thing around state of origin, that rests with Queensland Rugby League and the New South Wales Rugby League. So uh, interesting to see how that all plays out. We're talking about the Australian cricket team, not for long. It has been rather depressing going through the scorecard and just having a look how they fell away. All out 40.5 overs. 134 runs short of South Africa's tally. Quinton de Kock, he can hit the ball cleanly, can't he? So uh, he's good to watch, except when he's playing against Australia. Although he's still good to watch. So you've got to appreciate those those batsmen that hit the ball very nicely. So uh, Jimmy, hands down, the best part-timer in any sport ever is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Not only did he score nearly 100 goals for Man United Football Club, coming off the bench, he also picked up the Champions League final treble winner in the 94th minute, again, coming from the bench. Sean, I'm in the middle of watching... Well, actually, I'm not. I'm three-quarters of the way through watching Beckham, the documentary on Netflix. I've watched three of the four episodes. Um, It is such a good documentary. Really enjoying it. Um, David Beckham, he is so natural, so likeable. And here's the scoop. So's posh. Isn't she? Where are you going? She said, I'm going to the office. Where are you going? I'm going to the office. We've got some work to do. Where are you going? Going for a facial. (laughs) That's such a normal couple. Um, It it, it really has been. And uh, I heard um, the Morning Glory boys talking about it. And Dan and Kemp made a really good point. You forget how good a footballer he was. From a dead ball, from a spot kick, from a corner, he was deadly. And just incredible, the pressure that he was able to withstand. Uh, incredibly mentally strong athlete. Uh, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, yeah, they had that that uh, Champions League final. That was just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. Jimmy, with Eddie Jones, Wallabies out of the Rugby World Cup and Andrew McDonald's Aussie cricket team heading that way, should we make Jones the new cricket coach and McDonald the new Wallabies coach? Surely we couldn't do any worse. Uh, they are poor, playing poorly. Uh, this excuse for an Aussie team. So Bulldog Bob pulling in uh, pretty tough on that one. Uh, then we get this. Um, Jimmy, best part-time effort was M.G. Bevan. 10 for 113 and 85 not v the West Indies. Adelaide, January 97. So sad. Healy, Warren and Bickle didn't hang in for his ton. Within a year, A.B. and Merv stamped Bevo for good, age 27. Next best, Pup, 6 for 9 against India in India to lead by 100 on the first innings and lose. So there you go. That didn't didn't finish well. So uh, there you go. That's a good one from Bondi Jack. We're looking for the, the part-timers. Uh, Spart wants to nominate Colin Funky Miller. Not sure if he was a part-time medium pacer or a part-time off-spinner. But nevertheless, he was part-time at something. Uh, quite true. 
spot and regards to you as well. Keep them coming in, 0457 736 736. Up next, our man, the analyst. Scott Woodward is the analyst. Thanks, matey. Uh, beep, beep, beep. Scott Woodward is the analyst. Thanks, matey. Uh, beep, 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 beep. Ah, yes, he's our analyst. We thought it was off-season. It's not off-season. The Pacific Championships are on. So as a result of that, we've got our man, Scotty Woodward, the analyst with us. Hello, Scotty. Uh, yes, matey. Uh, we've got three wonderful games on the weekend. Um, I think a couple of them will be very competitive. Uh, really looking forward to the weekend coming up. Not okay. to mention the well, Everest, of course. Oh, the yep. Everest, of course. But before we do that, um, uh, the news, I think, fait accompli is the way Adrian Prezenko described it today. We spoke to him yesterday. Michael Maguire feels like he will be installed as New South Wales State of Origin coach. We know you've got a great relationship with him from your time at the West Tigers. What are your thoughts on Madge for New South Wales? Yes. Uh, look, congratulations to New South Wales Rugby League for making the, the right choice. And I'm not saying that biasly. I don't know of another coach that was better credentialed than Madge, a guy that's won uh, two grand finals in two continents, the only coach to do so this century, uh, take New Zealand to number one in the world and be very unlucky in the last World Cup. And anybody that knows Madge and knows how hard he works knows how focused he is and uh, whatever the job is at hand. Right at the moment, the job at hand is he's the current uh, Kiwi coach and will be for many years to come, I hope, and he should be. Um, the two jobs uh, complement each other. They're not in conflict at all. Um, do he, he ran me at uh, 5 o'clock this morning. Um, he gets up at 4, incidentally, so... So that was fine for him. So, and with some very good, with, with some very good news. And um, uh, look, we, we were very concerned about Moses Leota. He had to have a scan after the grand final and go and see his doctor, then go and see a surgeon. And we basically didn't think he'd make it. And uh, so the green light, the green light um, last night was that Moses Leota has been cleared to play and he's on his way to New Zealand. So that's a massive in for the team. And, uh, Look, despite the fact that a lot of the good Kiwi players um, uh, have had to pull out because of certain circumstances, some injuries and, and other reasons, uh, guys, quality players like Brandon Smith, SJ, Tayu, Marata, Roger Tavasacek, I mean, they're world-class players, but uh, Major still managed to put an incredible team together and I'm sure he'll be very competitive against Samoa next week and then Australia the week after that, uh, which will be Cox Plate Day, and uh, that'll be a, a, an incredible game. Um, yeah. Mate, hang look, on. Moses, just... So, Mo- hang on. Moses Leota, that's a, that's a scoop for us, so thank you for that. The other one, um, I want to ask you this question. Is it possible for Michael Maguire to do to the best of his ability the New Zealand international coach's role, the New South Wales state of origin coach's role and continue his role at the Canberra Raiders as an NRL senior consultant? Yeah, look, I can't speak for Canberra, but in terms of origin, origin finishes in July and the Kiwi the Kiwi games are at the end of the year. So there's no conflict and they're, they're very much complementary. And uh, Madge work, as I said, Madge gets up at four o'clock in the morning and he works till midnight and he gives it a total focus. There'll be no stone left unturned for the Kiwis on this upcoming preparation. And look, can I just say something um, uh, on, on, on Madge? And um, if you look at the list of the coaches who have come from West Tigers, 
and what they've gone on to do is quite incredible. <clears throat> and we kick off with Ivan Cleary. He's gone He's gone to Penrith and he's been in the last four grand finals and won the last three. Ronnie Griffiths was forced out of West Tigers. He's won the last two grand finals for Women's Rugby League. Andrew mm-hmm. Webster, Andrew Webster, he was the coach of the year, the current coach of the year. Ben, Card- ben Gardner went, went to um, Penrith and, and uh, won the grand final, and he's now coach of Samoa uh, and doing a great job from, from everything I understand. He's a great guy. Um, Adam Hardigan, Fafita Hala and Shane Millard, uh, they went to the Bulldogs and turned um, the Bulldogs' pathways, which were at the bottom of the table, into the club champion, won the club championship, including the Harold Mats and the, and the uh, uh, flag grand finals. Um, and then, of course, we've got Madge, who then went to Canberra, and he was instrumental in the Raiders playing semi-final football last year when they basically didn't have a spine for most of the year. It was an incredible effort. The Raiders punched above their weight um, uh, this season, in my opinion. They shouldn't have done as well as what they did do. And I think Madge had a big say in that. So, like, um, it's not a bad thing to have um, West Tigers on your resume as a coach because <laughs> the, ones that are, the ones that have been there have gone on and done some really wonderful things. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, the makeup of the three squads that we've got for the Pacific Championships and, and with a, a real eye on this Australia v Samoa game that's played this weekend. Interested in your thoughts of Stephen Crichton at 5'8", uh, Suafar Longo at fullback, we're excited about that. And Dylan Edwards comes into the Australian squad and gets on the wing, hasn't played there for a long, long time. Thoughts, analyst? Uh, I'm... I'm certainly very keen to see how he goes. Like, he's an ultimate professional. Uh, I've got no doubt that he'll do a great job. And uh, and and can I just say, if he does do a great job, um, he'll be putting his hand up for State of Origin next year. You know, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, it would be wonderful to have a guy of his quality um, into the Origin team. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So um, uh, in, in terms of Stephen Crichton, uh, he, he, he's, a, he's only 22 years of old, but he, he's, he, he's a coach, he's a captain, he's just the ultimate professional, and, he, and he's just a freak at anything he does. He can play almost any position. He, he's, he's one of the most intelligent footballers you, you'd want to see, and um, he'll play a running role at six, um, and he'll do a good job like that, play like a centre role at six. Um, Dejan Arce will be the the dominant half in the side, but uh, there's no doubt that they have an issue there. The six and seven, um, they will be giving away a fair bit to Australia and New Zealand in that position. Um, Silver Folongo, um, the halfback, um, he's just trem- oh, sorry, the fullback, he's just yes. tremendously yes. exciting, and he's basically a new in for the Melbourne Storm next year. I'm going to be very interested to see where they play him. Um, they'll kick off, I would think, at 14. He'll, he, he will probably end up on the wing. He can do both, but uh, he is a fallback. But hopefully they'll have another, if you like, quasi in 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 um, uh, their, their injured fallback. He's back as a new in next week, um, uh, Ryan Papperhausen. So, that, so um, uh, hopefully he'll come back good and he'll be another guy who'll put his hand up for origin. But again, yes. let's not get ahead of ourselves. So there's some terrific guys coming back. Um, the Samoa team is an outstanding team. It's actually a better team than what they had in the World Cup, with the one big exception. They don't have Luai. And uh, let me tell you, that's a massive um, out. Um, but in terms of the depth of their players and their forwards, 
Um, it's just incredible the depth that they got, and 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 some of the players that aren't there just to give you an idea of the depth that they got. Brian Tahu, Sawali, Talon May, Jerome Loy, as I just said, Anthony Miller, Jaden Sewer, and Josh Papali. They're not in, and yet they still got an outstanding side. So there's just tremendous depth in um, uh, Samoa, tremendous depth in Tonga, and a lot of these play. Um, as you know, you can play for Samoa. And you can play for Tonga, and you can still play State of Origin. New Zealand do not have that luxury. And uh, you know, Jimmy, I've talked to you about this a fair bit on air, and it's a bee I have in my bonnet. Um, Kalen Ponga, arguably the most entertaining rugby league player in the world, will be sitting at home um, on his lounge chair uh, watching these big rep games coming up, where we should be having our very best talent on show to the world. Um, now. Um, Kalen is from parents of of uh, New Zealand descent. Um, his dad is a, is a very proud Bari, um, and uh, I know that he would love him to be playing for New Zealand. But if he does, he can't play start of origin. Um, and it's just an imbalance in the rules they have at the NRL at the moment. We have players that can actually play for the country and still play origin, like Stephen Crichton, Stefano, Junior Polo, Daniel Tupo, Mo Fodawaka, Felice Kafusi. Tyson Frizzell, Keon Kolomatangi, Api Corriso, uh, Viliami Kikau, Tarek Sims, uh, Daniel and Jacob Sayafidi. They can all play for their country of choice and still play Origin. It's just a ridiculous situation. And, and look, promising young players like Siwa Wong, who played for Fiji in the World Cup yeah. and is now yes. playing for Tonga, now playing for Tonga, he's gone Fiji, Tonga, and he can also play for New Zealand. And, and, and my opinion, he'd rather play for New Zealand, but he can't. If he does, he can't play start of origin. He, he misses out on that opportunity. Uh, obviously, uh, another, another incredibly um, promising player, Kuli Funuaki, is another player in that situation. They can play for New Zealand but they, they, they lose eligibility if they do. It's, it's yeah. a big unbalance. It's the biggest growth industry um, for the NRL is New Zealand. They should be trying to develop um, uh, rugby union players and turn them into rugby league players over there. They're missing out on an incredible opportunity by, by putting this archaic rule in place. Um, very disappointing okay. to see. Top Sport has the Kangaroos dollar four, but let's have an interest in 22 and a half. Yes or no on that one? Um, I think they'll cover Jimmy. Um, okay. I think Australia. I, I think Australia will will beat Samoa. Cover the twenty two and a half. Uh, same for PNG. Um, it's about twenty and a half. I think Jimmy. I think they'll yes. more than cover that. The, yes. the Cook Island team is very disappointing. Um, uh, we've got a great game on Sunday. If you want to get up at three a.m., if you can't do that, certainly watch the replay. It will be a very competitive game. Catalans versus Wigan. Um, Wigan are uh, four and a half points favourites. Um, I, I think that's tremendously good value. I think Catalans can certainly cover, but I also think they, they can win. Um, and uh, it was it was a um, the series the whole series has been fantastic. There's a lot of Australians in both teams um, for for Catalans. Uh, Sam Tompkins will be retiring. It'll be his last game. Um, he's 34 years old. He's a former man yeah. of steel. On the other side, um, the Australian Bevan French has just been made the current man of steel. Um, and so uh, also, like for, for my interest, Jimmy, um, at the Bulldogs, Siwa Tokioko, um, he will be the starting prop and he come back after six or seven weeks last week. 
make 22 runs in 44 minutes. Uh, it was an incredible effort. Um, he's, he's, he must have a, an incredible motor. Um, also, your mate Mitchell Pearce um, will be having his last game. He'll be retiring yeah. after this. Also, also 34. Um, uh, other Australians that will be playing for um, uh, Catalans at Old Trafford will be Tyrone May, Adam Adam Kieran, um, and Matt Matt Ikavalu, and Manu Mai. Um, for Wigan, Jai Fur will be the fullback. He's had an incredible season. Abbas Miski on the wing. Bevan French, as I said, will play 5-8. Kate Ellis, they've made a prop out of him over there, going very well. And uh, Willie Iser and Patrick Margot. Now, Jimmy, the Newcastle team have got um, Kai Pierce paul will be starting in the back row for Wigan, and he'll be playing for Newcastle Knights next year. So um, all eyes will be on him. Uh, very interesting. Okay. Analyst, very comprehensive. Thank you for that. I was going to give you 12 out of 10 for your pronunciations. Matt Ikavalu tripped you up a little bit. So you got a, you got yeah. 11 out of 10. So well, well done on that. Uh, now, be, be, before we – yeah, yeah. No, no, look, I try, yeah, try, try and make an effort, Jimmy. You know, um, as I say in French, as, as long as you can, don't, you don't have to speak French as long as you try and make an effort. Um, so, look, the, the other, the other, the other um, uh, certainty based on data and all the trends that I've seen is that um, the no vote should win in a landslide, landslide on the weekend. Um, I believe one bookmaker is betting on that. So, okay. yeah, if you, I mean, you, you can have a multi. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, just before we let you, what about the other event over the course of the weekend? Not the Caulfield Guineas. What about the Everest? Anything for us there? I I, I have got a good thing, and I can't remember its name. Oh. So, um, yeah. What, for no, the Everest? No, my, yeah. My, my man in racing um, uh, sent, me, sent me through a good thing. Um, unfortunately, the great Ed has passed away, and we don't have him with yeah. us now. So I've had to go to my next man. I'll text it through to you, Jimmy. Okay. Hang on. Buenos Nachos? Fifteen dollars? No, no, don't go, don't go, guys. No, no, mate, no. I, I will text it through to you, and you can pass it on to the listeners. Um, this, this guy's a professional; he's an outstanding judge, um, and I strongly suggest you be on it each way. Analysts, as always, outstanding. Enjoy your weekend, mate. Thanks, Jimmy. Out. Where's the RBBB? Afternoons amplified with Coach K. Just to clear up, that was Shinzo. Shinzo. <laughs> that. Uh, the analyst was talking about in the Everest. So uh, there you go. Um, I will get that price up very shortly. Uh, and it's an each way, each way opportunity. And Brian Tottle actually will play this week, but not next week. Uh, anticipation that uh, I think it's their first child and his partner having their, their first child. Uh, McHugh's wondering, I bet Madge has already called Gary from Newtown. Not sure on that. Not sure on that. We're looking at the part-timers too. Hey, Jim Bob. Johnny come lately. Marlon Pickett pulled from obscurity in 2019 to play in Richmond versus the GWS Grand Final. That's from Nick. Good nomination. Yeah, he then went on to have a more extensive AFL career. So, uh, but yeah, the the part timers is what we're looking for. I tell you what, this bloke is not a part timer. Afternoons amplified. All right. Now, Coach K, what what have we missed? Yeah, let's start with this, Jimmy. You touched on it earlier. I mean, this is just incredible, really. Just the culture that Graham Arnold is trying to create there at the Socceroos. So they're playing England tomorrow morning at 5.45 a.m. Is he trying to create it? Oh, I reckon he's or almost he got creating there. it? Well, he's creating it. 
He's created ah, it. Language, very ah, good, language. very good. Language. I think. Well, I actually think he's created it. I think he's done a really good job. But uh, have a listen to this. Gus Hinnink was in camp. He invited him, and of course, Ange Postecoglou. Take a listen. You're playing for yourselves, but the impact you can have for future generations. You know, you play at a stadium like that tomorrow or Friday, whenever you're playing, <laughs> make an impact. It's not just for you. It's going to be a little boy or a little girl who's going to look at that and go, one day, that's going to be me. That's the, that's the power you guys have when you represent your country, different from your club. Make your trip to Wembley a memorable one. Not that you just played England, but you knocked them off. Just the belief. You knock them off. So so did he say you try and do that? Did he nah, say any he of that? Said, yeah, he said off. you knock them off. So yeah. you go there. They've knocked off England before in England. They have. I think Beckham was in that side. He was. I think uh, Rio Ferdinand was in there too. Upton Park. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. 3-1, the Aussies. Mm, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka, great side. Wow. I just, you know what I love the most about the fact that Graham Arnold brought them in. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the they coached the Socceroos before Graham Arnold, and he just thought to himself, you know what, I don't care that they've done the job before me. I think it's important that they, the players, get to listen to some coaches who have done some good things with the club. I think I am right in that Graham Arnold was an assistant to Goose Hitting. Yes, I think you're at right at the Socceroos. Yep. Uh, I don't know about Ange, but you completely not you're not threatened by Ange. Like Ange is never coming back to coach the Socceroos. No. No. And just and just and just got Tottenham top of the league after eight games. Write your own ticket, mate. Well, this, I mean, I doubt football Australia will have as much money as he's going to get over there. You can Europe. nowhere near it. No, nah. can never get anywhere near it unless he wants a new challenge. No, nah. he's already had that challenge. Yeah, fair. All right, he's won an Asian Cup. Yeah, it's a, with the Socceroos, it's a good result. Like as as far as the Socceroos' performances go, mm. like getting as far as they did in the World Cup under Graham Arnold, just extraordinary. Yep, uh, you could probably say the same getting. As far as they did in the World Cup under Gus Hiddink, winning the Asian Cup with Ange Postecoglou, yeah, that's a, that's as that's as good as it gets for the Socceroos. Take it off. I'm excited about the game too. I, look, I don't think I'm going to wake up at 5:45. I'm going to watch it on delay. But anytime you get to take on one of the big powerhouses in European football, you're going to watch it. Does does Full House at Wembley? Do we get Full House? Well, there's a lot of Aussies over there. <laughs> yeah, that's go, what I mean. You'd, you'd have to go close to that. I'd be pretty excited if I was an Aussie living there in London. If you're if you're an Aussie hanging out in Earl's Court, which oh. is where they all go, right? Uh, allegedly, um, mm. do you go? What's the capacity now with the new ninety thousand capacity for association football? Mm. I don't know. No, actually, no. Nah, I reckon you get sixty thousand. Oh, it's England, though. It's England. Yeah, it's England, but it's a friendly. If England came here, he'd be packing out a core stadium, he'd pack out the MCG. The other interesting thing would be who's Gareth Southgate going to pick? Mm. Yeah, we don't, yeah. Or wait and see what the final lineup's going to mm. be like. Now, our man, I have to put this in here, Jimmy. I've got audio of this too. Our man, Tommy Green. We love Tommy Green from the GWS Giants. He spoke on a podcast called Tommy Talks. It is a podcast. So hang on. It's yeah. his own podcast. Well, no, it's, it's actually by Tommy Sheridan, who played, I think, oh. two games for the Giants, and he played games for Fremantle. And he was talking, he's pretty passionate, Tommy Green. I haven't heard him like this before on the Victorian bias in the AFL. If we can't acknowledge the, the competition where, what is it, 10 teams are from Melbourne? Yep. It's come from the V, the Victorian Football League, now to the AFL. If we can't acknowledge that the competition is just inherently biased, like, what are we doing here? Now, <laughs> now here? I'm not saying that I have a solution to that. But, like, we just need to acknowledge the reality that we live in, and that is that it's biased to Victoria. When most of the clubs are there, it's traditionally, like, mo- that's where most of the footballing infrastructure has been in terms of Auskick programs, school programs, all this sort of stuff. 
And then, like, people get picked up every year playing school footy in Victoria. And I get the majority of good footballers are playing in Victoria. But like I said, that's because it's coming from the VFL and it's a Victorian-biased league. I, I find it very, very true, Jimmy, as well. I mean, look, they're doing a good job here. The Giants in particular, you make a, pre, you make a prelim, you're looking pretty sharp. But they need more of that here. They need more of it. Isn't it just numbers, though? Maybe like if you I, if you map yeah. if you mapped Australia, mm. not with population but mm. with number of people playing AFL, not registered for an Oz kick thing, right? Actually playing AFL, mm. and because Victoria is a far more populous state than Western Australia or South Australia or Tasmania, yes. that you'd go right if you actually did that, then you'd have ten sites in Victoria. Mm. Two in South Australia, that's fine. That's enough. Two in Western Australia, probably get another one there. Two in Brisbane, in uh, Queensland, that's enough. Mm. Two in Sydney, don't need more than that. One in Tasmania, that's you know that's mm. probably you know three quarters of one too many. Mm. It's going to have ten. So I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying, well, what what they can't do any more as far as expansion goes. Maybe Darwin, maybe put a team in Darwin, and but the point is. That's where the most players come from because that's where the most players are. That's just numbers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's it, You could map the same way with rugby league. You know, rugby league's one of the fortunate things that they have, although that's under threat with, with funding and, and availability of that in regional areas, but one of the strengths of New South Wales is that there's such population away from Sydney. You know, we're the most populous state uh, and, and there's those big regional centres, and the vast majority of them are rugby league strongholds. And you could say the same about Queensland and their biggest cities away from Brisbane. So they're, they're all rugby league. So if you wanted to map it the same way, you'd probably say it's about right. The nine sides in Sydney, Canberra, ACT, uh, Newcastle, and then you go, right, four sides up in Queensland, it's probably about right based on the populations of both states. One in Victoria, fantastic. Adelaide, you couldn't couldn't do it. There's no justification for Adelaide. Perth, on the other hand, yes. New Zealand, ah, more and more over yeah. there. The second team there. No, I'm not saying Tommy's wrong. All I'm saying is, Tommy, have a look at the numbers. He's listening. I know he is. I told him we're going to play it. Apparently That's via right. the nags head too. <laughs> That's right. Enjoying That's your right. schooners on a Friday afternoon, Tommy. <laughs> Half your luck. That's it. That's after he's amplified. All right. Well done. 16-0, Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift over the Denver Broncos at the moment. Ten and a half minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Righto, let's get ourselves to a break. After that, we're talking million-dollar chase with the Duke, Mark Duclos. Stick around. Okie dokie. Welcome back to the program. Just before we get to Mark Duclos, uh, we're talking million-dollar chase too, so we're excited about that. We've been talking about it all week, actually, haven't we? You and I were going to go, Coach K. What happened there? What happened there? Anyway, uh, this is from Mark. I'm from a more positive point of view. The Aussies have won five of 11 Cricket World Cups, and the last two have been in England and now India, where we notoriously have trouble winning. We can't win all the time. Uh, okay, Mark, I take that on board, but have we put our best foot forward, so to speak? Have we done it? Well, get this from the Greenkeeping Rooster. Afternoon, James. By failing to prepare properly, you are preparing to fail. And that's exactly how I feel Australia's preparation was for the World Cup. I know it's early days of the tournament, but they look way off. The Bailey slash McDonald era 
will be remembered for weird selection decisions. Good on your green-keeping rooster. I'll tell you what won't be a weird selection. It'll be the dog that Mark Duclos selects for the million-dollar chase. It's on tonight. He's on the line. G'day, Duke. G'day, Jimmy. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm really well, and, and great to hear from you. How are you tracking, mate? We are going very well. Of course, this is the night of nights. This is when the stars race under the stars at Wentworth Park. We've got the horse race that stops the nation in a couple of weeks' time. This is the Greyhound race that stops the Greyhound world. We have interest from America, from the UK, uh, all around the world, not to mention here in Australia, the richest free entry Greyhound race in the world. One million bucks to the winner, Jimmy. That's Ooh. more than $33,000 a second. <laughs> I like it. We've got a standout favourite too, uh, Postman Pat, uh, $2.30 at topsport.com.au. Do you think anything can beat the Postman? Absolutely. Look, punters think it's a two-dog race. Jay is, Jay is around the 250 quote. Postman Pat representing all the Kiwis across the ditch. It's currently at $2.40. Look, they were, they were dynamite through their semi-finals last week, but gone for a little bit of value. This dog is the X factor in the race. He's the young dog. He's up and coming at Wentworth Park. He's had 15 stars for 10 wins. He's already won a group race there. No waiting, Jimmy. Number seven, one hot bandit, currently around $8.50. Trained by Andy Lord, who took out the May version of the Million Dollar Chase last year with Shears of Pearl. As I said, one hot bandit is one smart pup. He only needs a sniff of luck in the early stages. Beautifully drawn out wide. At around the $8.50 quote, that's the one I want to be on. Okay. Uh, that is, so we're looking at it tonight. Uh, 8.27 is when the uh, gates open at Wenty Park. And it's number seven, one hot bandit, $8.50 at topsport.com.au. Is that the best, your best of the night, mate? Or do you have another one for the punters? Oh, look, it's, it's the best in that race. But as far as uh, other races are concerned, if we go along to the Masters Meteor, uh, it's race five on the card, due at 7.27pm. Fernando Hunter, which is owned by leading jockey Brenton Abzala, ah. trained by Michelle Sultana. It's drawn box one in the Masters Meteor, $2.45. I think that's where we get our punning back for the weekend, Jimmy. Okay, so we're looking at Wenny Park tonight, race five, number one. Race five, number one, and it just wins. Hey, mate, great to chat. Uh, great to hear the Likewise, things. Don't forget the yeah, the big one goes at eight twenty-seven p.m. Gates open at five thirty. Uh, we're expecting a massive crowd on course at Wentworth Park, and if you can't get there, you can watch our showcase coverage on thedogs.com.au, mate. Great job, Duke. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, uh, Mark Duclos. There, he is a good man. Uh, as I said, uh, no Mark from a, a previous lifetime, but uh, yeah, really good fella, and he knows his dogs inside and out. Uh, inside and out. So there, there are the tips. So race five, number one at Wenny Park. Uh, Fernando Hunter, $2.45. And then go to race eight, the feature event, the Million Dollar Chase. That's at 8.27. Get down there to number seven. One Hot Bandit at $8.50 at Top Sport. Uh, um, what have we got? Postman Pat, he delivers the right mail. Thank you, 554. Yes, yes, he does. Jimmy, the best part-time is every single first-grade rugby league player prior to the intervention of Super League, which turned part-time footballers who held down jobs to become millionaires. Oh, hang on, Stormy Daniel. I can attest to the fact that that is not the case. 
To become millionaires thanks to Murdoch and Packers' deep pockets as they battled for pay television control of the greatest game of all. Stormy Daniel from Prairiewood. Yeah, I know. I've heard Joel talk about when, you know, on the Channel 10, on the State Bank big game, they'd be running back to half to, uh, halfway after scoring a try and they'd have poker machine technician <laughs> as their, what they do for work, which meant, you emptied the pokies at the leagues club uh, every morning. But turning all players into millionaires? No, 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 no. Come on. You know better than that. Uh, Mark's also asking, the analyst said kick-out was available for origin. Is that true or a slip of the tongue? It's a good point, Mark, because he's been the Dallium second rower of the year, not this year, but the last three years before that, the Dallium uh, in the Dallium team of the year. He plays for Fiji. They're a tier two nation. So he is available for New South. Well, he's available. He played early football up at the Cowboys. Uh, I don't know why he'd be ineligible. I'll have to check on that. For, for some reason, I, we've never seen his name come up in selection options. So, hmm, i have to check that one out. Uh, as a Queensland fan, I usually agree with Mal Meninga, but I find it awfully hard to listen to a bloke who selected and defended the selection of Semi Rad Radra to play in the Australian side, says the Penrith Storm. So, uh, I guess, like anyone, you can evolve, right? You, you, you reach different conclusions based on uh, new evidence presented. So there's another way to do it. Jimmy, maybe one problem with the Aussie cricket team could be training. Usman Khawaja has said one of the positive differences from JL as coach compared to Andrew McDonald is they now try, try a train when they, the players, want to because we know what we need, quote-unquote. Wonder if they now think they need catching training and practice. I know Usman isn't in the ODI squad, but uh, it's a good point, Jason, at Windsor. It's a very good point. Yeah, Be careful how much power you hand over. All right, keep those text messages coming in. We're looking for the part-timers today. We'll get to the break, and after that, we're back to wrap up this second hour. We're flying through a Friday afternoon on SEN. Welcome back to the program. Third and final, third and final hour of the week. Woo. All right. Here we go, Friday night. Get your dancing shoes on. Uh, now, we will have the 2 o'clock flock coming up very shortly. RJ Ochoa, as we get to less than two minutes remaining in this match, it's now 19-8. So another field goal there from the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll also uh, be talking, oh, the Who Am I? That's right, the Who Am I? Uh, we're all excited about the who am I. So um, just before we get to the 2 o'clock flock, call us, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 the chance to win the, the $100 cash. Um, having a look at the market, the Everest market here for Top Sport, I wish I win uh, now at four sixty. The favourite, think about it, at four forty. Private Eye has been given a mention at $7. Overpass, high cruising speed for Bjorn Baker and Josh Parr, $13. Uh, Hawaii 5.0 at $13. In Secret is there at $11. And Cylinder, the selection of Kenny Callender, $9, $2.90 the place. And Shinzo, the selection of the analyst, well, the analyst mate, who's like the analyst, he analyzes things, um, $17 and $4.60. Uh, so that is uh, each way option. If you like, we've got the... Uh, Pacific Championship matches. It starts tomorrow. The Kangaroos taking on Samoa. Dollar four, eleven dollars. Dollar four, eleven dollars. Twenty-two and a half. So be interested around that. And the Kumuls taking on Cook Island. So they're 
prohibitive favourites too. Dollar seven, seven dollars fifty, and that is twenty and a half. Uh, is the scoreline on that. So all the markets there for the racing, all the markets there for the NFL matches that will be coming up on Monday morning. Also Monday morning, we'll have the second lot of the Rugby World Cup matches as well. Just looking at that. Uh, so Sunday morning, Wales-Argentina, $1.48 Wales-Argentina, two sixty. Ireland-New Zealand, this is huge, at 6 o'clock local time on Sunday morning. Uh, Ireland, $1.68 favourites. New Zealand, $2.15. England, heavily favoured over Fiji. And then France, slight favourites against South Africa in that one as well. The ICC Cricket World Cup. New Zealand, very short against Bangladesh. Have we got... Oh, Australia. Australia's $1.28 against Sri Lanka. Um, That's coming up on Monday night. That'll be 7.30 again. Uh, All right. All right. Let's get into this. Time now for the two o'clock flock. It sure is. So let's get stuck into it with Jace on the line in Coogee. G'day, Jace. Jimmy, good afternoon, mate. How are you? Really well, thanks, buddy. What do you got for us today? Yeah, mate, look, I've played a little bit of cricket at a decent level and watched just as much. And, mate, I know you have as well. But, mate, I think we've got a real problem at the moment with this Australian cricket team. Mm-hmm. Mate, um, there are, there's a few protected species in there. There's not a lot of pressure coming from a lot of guys outside of that side to keep some of these blokes accountable. Mate, they've been together for a long time. Um, and, mate, I, I really do think we just lack a bit of hard-nosed resolve. I, don't, I think we've got a bit of a soft team here at the moment. And, mate, um, I don't know if it comes from the top. You know, I've heard people say Pat's a bit woke. You know, yeah, he probably is. Uh I just, mate, I just don't see it. If you look at those sides that won the World Cup going, you know, in eras gone by, mate, there were some hard blokes in there. Steve Waugh, Justin Langer, you know, you could name a thousand of them. But, mate, I just don't know where, I I can't see where that's coming from in this current side, mate. Hey, Jase, who's the protected species to whom you refer? Oh, look, I think there's guys that have been in there for a long time and, you know, their their form's been questionable at, at points. Um... You know, let's go back to the Ashes. You know, these guys play three-format cricket, a lot of them. Yep. And we've got a lot in this current side. Yep. Mate, we, were in, we went within a whisker of losing the Ashes. Yes, And, yes. mate, you've got to say, uh, mate, we were getting run down at the end, and these guys are now running to a World Cup. Mate, I don't know. I'm seeing... I'm just seeing signs of softness, mate. I just... I don't see that resolve, and... There's not a lot of blokes putting a lot of, uh, you know, pressure on guys to keep them accountable. And, mate, some of the some of the form, some of the catches that are getting dropped, some of the poor bowling, some of the shots these guys are playing, like, seriously. Um, mate, we're pretty average at the moment. All right. Okay, Jase, th- I think you've made that very clear in your opinion. So just in regards to the Pat Cummins woke stuff, right? So some people will actually describe me as woke, which, for whatever reason, and... and you know, there's some things I believe in that a lot of people who listen to the program don't believe in, and that is fine, by the way, too. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion as long as no one else is being never negatively impacted by it. I don't think Pat is woke. Oh, well, his alleged wokeness doesn't impact him at a, from a cricket perspective. I don't think he's tactically very strong, which is fine when you're going well. You know, he's got a very talented side, so... There's not that often that you're under pressure, but you're under pressure in the biggest moments, right? So you're under pressure in an Ashes series, 
right? And think tactically how Australia performed in that. And if you want to blame Andrew McDonald, the coach, uh, I think that's a cop out. At the end of the day, the captain is responsible for the tactics. You you employ them. I thought we were very ordinary tactically in that Ashes series. I think in these tougher um, 50 over tournaments, like a World Cup, I think we get found out. I, I don't think that Pat is strong tactically. And there are other players in that team, most notably Steve Smith, who is very strong tactically. And I think from that point of view, I think he is grossly underused with his um, problem solving on the run in the field. Uh, I'll say that much. Good on you, Jase. Thanks for that. Hello, Shane. Jimmy, how you going, mate? Mate, geez, you lit him up the other day when you rang in, so there you go. Well, I call it how I see it. Um, Jimmy, look, I want to talk about SAS Australia, but just before that, I don't know if you're aware that ASADA and the UFC have parted ways. Which means? Which means now the UFC will do in-house testing, mm-hmm. which also means welcome welcome back Colin, Conor McGregor, Brock Lesnar, and John Jones will be world champion for the next 20 years. Yeah, I saw something about uh, John Bones Jones. Is that That's his nickname, right? That He said, mm. put well, something I, across social media about this. Well, now it's going to become a free-for-all. It'll be like the WWF. They, they won't have to test till about three weeks out, and they'll come in doited up to the eyeballs, which is a pity, but that's the way the sport's progressed, and Dana White wants it that way, so now he's only got to answer to himself. Um, so hang on, let, 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 me, let me be yeah, clarify this. Is the NFL a signatory to WADA, the World Anti-Doping Authority? The NFL doesn't answer to anybody. Exactly. So... I'm not saying it's right. And there's remember back in the day, it might have been darkest day in sport. I'm trying to think whether it's around that time that the that Asada were wanting all sports to sign up to um, the WADA drug drug policy. The AFL resisted, resisted, resisted until government said to them, "If you don't sign this, we're not giving you any money. We can't give you any money." So then they signed. Mm. So so sometimes yeah. you get organisations and administrations that get dragged to these things. If you're the UFC and you're a rule unto yourself, I don't really have a problem with them not being signatories to uh, WADA or, or whatever body. The, the, bottom, the, the big thing out of it, Jim, is Conor McGregor is desperate to get another shot at a world title and Dana White knows how much he brings into the UFC. Now, if you've seen pictures of him lately, he looks like the Michelin man. He's pumped up to the eyeballs. But anyway, if they want to bring down a sport like that, I'd like to listen to what Whitaker and Volk have to say about it. Look, just quickly on SAS, Jimmy. I've been watching it. I love this show, right? Jason Akamanis right. stubbed his toe and dropped out. Okay? That, that's an AFL great. Boyd Cordner tore his peck completely off the bone and didn't want to leave. Now, that's the difference between rugby league players and Aussie rules players. <laughs> okay. Thank, well, thank you, Shane. Um, it's not the difference between rugby league players and AFL players. It's the difference between Boyd Cordner and Jason Ackermanis. So it, and we don't know the extent of Jason's injury um, or indeed Boyd, but um, I think that blanket generalisation that you've come up with there, which might suit the narrative for a lot of people and you know, probably could suit me at different stages, uh, nah.
No, anyway, uh, away you go, everyone else. Get stuck into Shane. Uh, Razor's on the line. Hello, Razor. Jimmy, I've just thrown all my toys out the cot, mate. <laughs> What's Shane. caused you to do that, Razor? Shane, again. Right, right. Okay. Another oh, comment. I'll tell you the difference between an AFL player and a rugby league player. Shane, one runs in a straight line, the others run all around the ground. And that's the only difference there, both Mate, um, I was ringing up to speak to you about, um, to ask you, Jimmy, has there ever been a bigger pop in this country than Friday, March the 25th, 2022, when a certain buddy Franklin kicked a pair of a goal? Has there ever been a bigger scene in Australian sport with so many people running onto the ground? And when Australia won the, the shootout and the penalty for FIFA? Was there ever a louder pop crowd noise in this country? Uh, well, yeah, um, <laughs> um, I put the Matildas one a bit higher than Buddy's. Um, Buddy's was exceptional uh, and a great moment and was watching it on telly and thought, this is crazy. How are these players going to get out of there? And I thought Buddy was never going to get out of there. So it was almost dangerous. Um, totally understand why people did it, wanted to be a part of history, but uh, just got completely out of hand. Uh, but yeah, And a great moment. But as far as compa- – there was – I don't know how many people were watching that. And people go, oh, it's not all about TV audience. Well, it's a really good indicator of how many people are interested in it. Mate, there was 11 million people watching the Matildas. 11 million in a country of 25 million. It's extraordinary. The numbers that they got. You'll have a look at the top-rated TV programs in Australian television in 2023. I think four of the top five and five of the top six, or it might even be the top five, are Matilda's games from the uh, Football World Cup. But anyway, good on you, Razor. Let's go to Troy. G'day, Troy. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure, buddy. I just wanted to make a comment about the uh, Australian cricket team and the authoritarian autocratic uh, coach was removed for a kind of gentler, more peer-selected coach. And I'd like to make a comparison between the, the test, the one-day and 2020 side, both batting and bowling averages since uh, the change of coach. Oh, yes. Because there just seems to be such a, a decline in their performance. And I, I looked at um, David Warner and the great uh, multi-hire cricket analyst, Steve, uh, Graham Smith, said that he's only using his feet when he's playing square of the wicket. And the rest of the time, he's in concrete. And Steve Smith looked completely distracted and befuddled uh, with his short tenure at the wicket. And, and again, we've got a lot of millionaires in that side, Jimmy, and I don't know if the hunger's there anymore. We've got uh, some good performances in uh, domestic one-dayers presently. Have we picked the wrong side? Again, these bloated contracts, which these mid-30s cricketers still covet, uh, I think that's having a, a real detriment on the Australian performance at the moment. Uh, yeah. Well, here's the other, here's the other thing. Um, all right, give it up then. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're asking them. It's not their well, fault. That, 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 that comes from the administration to make a decision about performance rather than reputation and superannuation, Jimmy. That's, that's exactly right. That's a really good point. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll direct you to this. Uh, a mate of mine, Paul Ryan, has a cricket website called crickconnect.com. So crickconnect.com. And he wrote this article around, do Australia's batting stocks resemble old Mother Hubbard's cupboard? Or is there a gold nugget about to shine? He wrote it the other day. But he talked about 
Think back in the day, so 80s, 90s, early 2000s. These are some of the players that barely played test match cricket. So Stuart Law averaged 50.5 in first class cricket. Jamie Siddons, 44. Jamie Cox, 43. Brad Hodge, 49. Martin Love, nearly 50. Like, they scored 91,317 first-class runs between them and made a total of 261 hundreds between them. And yet, who's knocking on the door for Australian domestic cricket? No one comes within a bull's roar. There's, you're lucky to get someone nearing 40 averaging with the bat. So it's yeah. – anyway, um, good call, Troy. Good call. Uh, let's go. Ew. Hello, Harry. Hello, um, uh, get off the subject. My bill arrives for this aged care home for last September. It's gone up $120. We got a pension rise last month of $64. This mob's taken that plus 60 I uh, rang the owners of it, Fulton Show, and they said it's not us putting the price up, it's the government. Uh, the money that we've, they've taken from us, some of them are smokers, they've taken that. When we went to the club, a few of them like to have $10 in the poker machine. They take it, they've taken that. And this mob, Bolton Scott, say they're a non-profit organisation. I buy the residence here a lolly and that the lousy thing spend nothing on it. But get off that. Tomorrow I'm back in private eye. Yeah. And of course, they'll race eight number one, Frisky Reeva. She's drawn the rails, should get the run of the race. So, Sorry to bore you about me aged care home, but it upset me a bit. No, absolutely no problem, Harry. You never bore me. Um, entitled to have your say on any and all issues, mate. Uh, so what are you going? Private Eye in the Everest, and you're going Caulfield Race 8, number one. Good on you, mate. You have a good weekend, uh, and sorry to hear about that, H. I feel a little bit helpless. Not sure what I can do, but um, yeah, uh, thoughts with you, mate. All right, let's get to the break. After the break, we're back with our man, RJ Achoa. Stick around. Welcome back to the program. The open line number, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Keep those text messages coming in. Now, difficult how I broach this, but anyway, let's do it. RJ Achoa, of course, is the manager and editor-in-chief of blogging the boys all across the Dallas Cowboys, the Ocho and the SB Nation NFL show. He's a regular on this program, and he's on the line. How are you, RJ? I'd like to announce that Australia has moved up the power rankings. Uh, it's now my my third favorite country. I'm Mexican American, so those take up one and two. But Australia, you're beating out Canada at the very least. <laughs> okay, Canada uh, relegated to fourth and off the podium. Uh, mate, let's rip the band-aid off straight away. Uh, Cowboys last week against the 49ers. 49ers five and zero, very impressive. Do you want to talk baseball? Well, I am. Um... I don't know how oh, um, how rare you know this to be, but I am a Houston Astros fan, so yes. life is pretty good, which is um, pretty awkward for me because a lot of my followers are Texas Rangers fans. So, um, you know, I'm I'm from South Texas, and it just um, – these are the teams I grew up rooting for, the San Antonio Spurs. I don't even root for Dallas or Houston in basketball. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys have given everybody a reason to prefer baseball in the middle of October. That's a really <laughs> amazing accomplishment on their part. Okay. So where do we apportion blame around that, that result? And yes, it's only early in the season. And yes, the 49ers are arguably the best side in the league at the moment. But what deficiencies did you see in the Cowboys, RJ? Yeah, I mean, I can... I can't really come up with a loss that was similar to this. And, you know, that sounds dramatic because it was only week five, right? Um, but, but the Cowboys spent a lot of time hyping this game up, and they really, really, you know, made it a big deal. And so yeah. I think that's part of the blame. I think that they, you know, made it a little bit, you know, they made it impossible to overcome in their own minds. And the truth is they're, they're a very good football team. They're a top 10 football team, but they're not better than this team. And, that's, you know, hard to admit. I don't know that there's an NFL team out there that would, you know, publicly at least honestly admit that, that another squad is better than theirs, but it's irrefutable at this point. And they, they have less talent. They are far less coached. Uh, I mean, you know, go down the list of things, um, you know, uh, the only place that they haven't beat is, you know, their place of residence has no state income tax relative to <laughs> California. I mean, they are completely and totally outmatched against this team. And Sunday night was um, a real glaring example of that. And that's, I think, you know, in the days since every Cowboys fan is having a hard time reckoning that truth or reckoning with it, because, you know, you, you believe in, in every season having so much promise, but what is it worth? You know, if you're yeah. going to have to run into this team come late January. Yeah, it's the hope that kills you, right? Uh, anyway. Um, exactly. Uh, and not much hope over there for the New England Patriots either. We spoke about it last week and you talk, you know, there's, there's time. He's got an incredible record. Obviously one of the greats of all time, Bill Belichick. They're now 1-4, and 34-0 against the Saints. Do we need to accelerate those discussions that you touched on last week around Bill Belichick? Yeah, I mean, I think um, they're becoming less preposterous at the very least. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's, con- it's conceivable, if, if not, it's likely that, that they might make a move um, in the offseason. And it's, it's difficult. I mean, there are, you know, story teams across the history of sports that, that just, you know, when, when you're trying to move on past an incredible era, it's very, very, very difficult, um, and especially when you do keep a common denominator. And so you can argue that there is a need for a kind of a fresh reset. And I don't think it's inarguable that Bill Belichick has lost his touch to a degree. I know everybody's so quick, excuse me, so quick to say, well, it was clearly all Tom Brady. You know, we don't have to come to any rash uh, conclusions about this, but I, I grow more and more and more confident by the week that Bill Belichick is going to be coaching somewhere else next year. And, and I do think he'll stay coaching. I mean, he has Don Shula's record to chase. That's the only carrot left in front of him at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then we look at the other side of the, the situation. If you look, go to the NFC North, um, am I right in describing the Detroit Lions who are now 4-1 and one with a positive differential of 41 as the surprise packets of this year, RJ? You know, it depends on, on what part of the internet you peruse. Um, you know, I know your listeners, uh, they, they visit a dark part uh, after hours, of course. But, um, you know, a lot of people believe in the Lions. And a lot of people bought into the second half surge that we saw from them. And a lot of people believe in the talent. And, and the opportunity is kind of there because the division is there for the taking. And um, I, I didn't buy in, to be frank. And, and you know, we're five weeks in, and, and there's a little bit more proof of concept. And so 
Um, I don't know that they've come out of nowhere because they were so many people's pick to win the NFC North, but they're living up to the hype. And that in and of itself is a difficult thing to do. I mean, you know, look at the Cowboys as an example. There are a lot of teams who, uh, you know, get crowned or picked to do this or to do that early in the season. And then they're done by the time Halloween rolls around. So yeah. I think the Lions do deserve a lot of credit for getting to 4-1 at this point. Uh, right now we have the Chiefs going at home against the Denver Broncos. It can't get much worse for the Broncos. So Russell Wilson's output's improving. Sean Payton, uh, well, he was um, in the firing line last week from lots of Jets fans, and we certainly understand why. How do you see this playing out? Am I right in saying Russ Wilson's contract next year kicks in and that's when he's on the mega dollars across four or five years yeah that's correct um that's the extension that they did with him prior to last season you know when they were still on cloud nine after trading for him um the reality of this and and we kind of talked about bill belichick in this spot with the patriots is there always has to be a fall guy i mean that's just the the you know the water has to go out somewhere right the dam has to break at a certain point and uh, last year was Nathaniel Hackett with the Broncos. And, you know, the Broncos have, have made such a mess out of this with how they've traded for Russell and how they've traded for Sean Payton. They wanted to meet Ryan's early and they didn't get him. I mean, you know, Sean is kind of the one they're stuck the most with. And so um, if it does continue, if it is laughable, you, you kind of have to move on from Russell at that point. And um, I would honestly be really interested to see Russell play somewhere else. I think it'd be hilarious if, if he kind of had a career resurgence in a non-Denver place. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that would be improbable to believe given everything that the Broncos have had going on. But um, I, I mean, it is so rare that somebody, you know, volunteers themselves to be the dunce of the NFL and allows people to just, you know, kind of have their way with them on a weekly basis. And, and that's what Sean Payton did, you know, with this whole Nathaniel Hackett business. I mean, it's fair to kind of be, you know, tentative about the whole situation in general, but once he painted kind of this villainous, you know, mystique about them I, I don't know anybody who's rooting for this whole project to succeed yeah yeah and that's a good way to put it uh we are rooting for you to succeed last week what about that young ho a last second field goal and the falcons edged the texans just after you said they represented value head to head so that was disappointing but where are you taking us this week rj I just want on the record, Jimmy, I had them at one and a half and lost by one point. I mean, I, I lost by half of them. I mean, it's ridiculous the way this, this tends to go. Um, I'm, look, I appreciate you not saying it, but I'm 0 for 5. Let's just let's be frank. Uh, or 0 for 4, whatever. I have yet to put a win on the board. Um, I'm going to trust, and I recognize how silly this is, I'm going to trust the Las Vegas Raiders. At this point, wow. we have to bet against Bill Belichick. If we're going to pull off a win, I mean, why not pull off the win? Why not have 100% of our success be against the greatest coach of all time? <laughs> what do you have on Las Vegas this week? Uh, two and a half is the line. Dollar sixty-three. the Las Vegas Raiders playing at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the visitors, the Patriots, 228. So they're plus two and a half, minus two and a half, the Raiders. All we need is a field goal. Jimmy, three nothing, and we walk out like kings, and we beat. <laughs> In the world's worst NFL game. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you're exactly right. Uh, and there is a bit of money around that. So that's coming to $1.78 at Top Sport, $2.03, the plus two and a half. But, hey, let's lock it in. A win's a win, right? Las Vegas Raiders minus two and a half, $1.78. Yeah, I mean, here in the States, um, to, to do this kind of thing, sometimes you have to go to Vegas, depending on where you live. Uh, that is the case for me. 
given the the laws in the state of Texas. So um, it's it's literal, it's metaphorical, it's poetry. Um, this is it, Jimmy. We're getting on the board. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Just out of interest, I know that the states uh, there's the domino effect around legalization of gambling over in the USA. What's the? I mean, Texas was absolutely massive with its what is it, 28, 29 million people. Uh, have they got a timeline on that? Do you think it will ever happen in Texas? I mean, it is a, a pretty conservative state if you don't know your American history. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just think, though, despite that, the, the times are, are accelerating in, in certain ways. And uh, I mean, to be frank, I think people are selfish enough to see what they can benefit from this. Um, and so we've seen, you know, financial impact in states where gambling is allowed. And uh, I think there's enough gray area to where it, it's too it's too difficult to disallow it forever. I mean, you know, here in, in the state of Texas, you can, you know, you can play things like DraftKings. You can play things, you know, we have, I'm, I'm not certain what works internationally, but we have, you know, different apps like Prize Picks, Underdog Fantasy, and you can take over-unders and things like that. But um, so it's kind of like you can, you know, you can put on your swim trunks and your flip-flops and your suntan lotion, but you can't put your feet in the pool type thing. Yeah. Um, so um, we're, we're close. And I feel like uh, we're hovering around things. And you know, you say it's just a matter of time, but, you know, I feel like people have been saying that across the entire course of human history, and look where we are as a society. Uh, well, um, we can do it, by, or you can do it vicariously through me. I'll be taking the Raiders minus two and a half at $1.78 be the Patriots. RJ, as always, outstanding. I'll, I'll Venmo you my money, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Venmo you my money and get in on that action. Oh, I love it. Uh, great to chat, mate, as always. Enjoy your weekend. Likewise, Jimmy. Thank you, Amy. Welcome back to the program. Jimmy, a guy that should have been in the Australian side and probably captain is Ashton Turner. The guy is a born leader and winner, the Wild Panther. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Every time Ashton Turner has, I've seen him in action, most notably for the Scorchers. He's been very, very impressive. G'day, Jimmy. Thank God there is no uh, tab close by. I don't bet and I don't have an online bet account. However, RJ was so convincing last week, read the Cowboys. I was going to put 50 on them, but didn't quite get there. I enjoy his slot, but I won't be taking his tips anymore. That's rough rate at Concord. He didn't actually say the Cowboys could win, did he? Uh, he certainly backed away from that. Uh, hey, Jimmy, why did Manus do the press conference this morning after being flogged by South Africa? Captain Pat should be fronting up. That's what leaders do. Uh, Willow from Windsor. Here's Pat after the game. What do you go and say up in the change room there after a, a performance like that? And particularly because none from two. Uh, yeah, I think you might. Um, probably not much needs to be said tonight. I think everyone's hurting. Um, so we've got a few days. The next game's here as well. So we'll group and um, regroup. And, yeah, everyone's hurting. So we'll try and make amends. So didn't front up at the press conference. Fronted up for the post-match interview. That's probably an obligation around that. But uh, there you go, Willow from Windsor. Or oh, here we go. Stand by him. Take a guess. Who do you think it is? It's <laughs> now time to play Who Am I? You know, I've got to say, Jimmy, I'm, I'm sort of regretting making it that cheesy because every time I hear it, it just gets worse and worse. Buzz it? from PlayStation was something Chuck was talking about yesterday. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> So the sing-songy thing. So, Very good, Chuck. Um, all right. Now, we've got a prize, the Signet Boost Power Bank for this one. We do today. It's, uh-huh. I can't say it's upping the hand cream, but it's certainly going close to it. I'd say, I would it's suggest. Got the hand cream. I don't think it has. By the way, Matt, Matt at Tarmore has mm. won the hand cream. Mm. 
So that'll be coming out to you in the next couple of days, Matt. Look forward to it, Matt. It's brilliant. Very good. Yeah. You, well, you've got it now. Well, when I Steph call, and your mum use it. When right? I called Matt, he goes, do, do I really want the hand cream? I said, no, nah, trust me, Matty, it's good hand cream. He goes, yeah, in that case, yeah, I'm in. The number of people who mm. ask me uh, talking about you and hand cream <laughs> and posters on the wall, uh, McHugh in particular, mm. uh, don't worry, Willow from Windsor and Spart got me separately. <laughs> right, well, too, <laughs> endlessly. Talking about that. Olivolio.store. Mm. Olivolio.store if you are interested in the hand cream. Yeah. Mm. Good, good. All cream. right. All right. Who am I? Yes. Here we go. First clue. Mm. Attended Scotch College in Perth. Scotch or Scots? Scotch College Scotch. in Perth. Scotch College, Perth. Okay. Mm. Uh-huh. Right. That's the first clue. Mm. The second clue I'll give you. Mm. Played for the Perth Wildcats in 1986. Wildcats, 1986. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a shot at it now. Okay. Actually, I won't. I'll write it down. I'll write down my shot. We'll give the third clue. Yeah. Went to New Mexico University between 1987 and 1991. New Mexico, 1987 mm-hmm. to 91. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those four are the three year, clues. Four-year starter. At New Mexico. All right, all right. Uh, it's not my other one because I was going to say, I think he attended Stanford. So um, there you go. All right. Get us on the text line, 0457 736 736. Hang on, just to... Take a guess. Who do you think it is? It's now time to play Who Am I? Yay! All right, Who Am I? For the Signet Boost Power Bank, send it in. 0457 736 736. <laughs> okay, so a lot of options coming through. Again, well done. Well done, Coach K. Once again, it's been a hit. It's been a hit. You've really created something here. Just before we get to that, I've got to tell you about BuddyBet, of course. Make sure you check out the jackpot that is available. So download the BuddyBet app. I encourage you all to do that. Uh, Remember, I have done it myself. And then we go to this. uh, Highest scoring team on a Monday. So Monday, obviously, we've got a heap of games. That's Sunday, uh, the US time. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars against the Colts. uh, Heavily favoured around this. So it's a guaranteed $1,000 jackpot. Um, forget about that. I'm going to go to the Miami Dolphins, who love to attack under Mike McDaniel. They're up against the Pan- They're at home against the Panthers. The Carolina Panthers are 0 and 5. So, right, whatever that was. <laughs> what have you done to me, Coach Gay? Anyway, uh, so there you go. Um, you remember, gamble responsibly. What could you really be buying? Miami Dolphin. I'm going to go to them. High scoring team. Ten dollars entry. Place the entry. Confirm. There you go. It's that easy. Uh, all that at BuddyBet. Uh, so, um, Phil Smythe was the first one through. Uh, McHugh said it's Gary from <laughs> town, but it's not. Uh, but thank you. Uh, and then a lot of people got the next one. Uh, Tiny Pinder, Cal Bruton got a start there. Uh, Andrew Vlahov, the greenkeeping rooster. That was my thought, Andrew Vlahov. Um, Jack got Luke Longley, and the answer is Luke Longley. So, uh, there you go, Jack. We will be sending you out the Signet Boost Power Bank. So uh, well done to you on that one. Uh, part-timers, Jimmy, surely someone has mentioned John Reinberger. Came off the bench for the Roosters, 75 grand final, um, and never played first grade again. Uh, Aussie rules, Ted Hopkins from Carlton came off the bench in 1970 to kick four goals in the last quarter. Played only 30 games for Carlton. Went on to be a very successful businessman. There you go, Statsy. Are you going over to see Statsy this weekend? 
Coach K? You did a couple of weekends ago. No? Uh, great beach, isn't it? Freshwater. Underappreciated. Um, James, I played golf last week with a prominent cricket coach from Victoria and prior to that with the academy in South Australia. He basically said word for word what you just spoke about regarding the future batting stocks being very sparse. Too many kids want to bat like T20 stars and therefore miss out on learning and implementing technique. They get found out at the higher levels against better slash quicker bowlers. That's from Spart. So that's the pro- That's the challenge of all cricket coaches, isn't it? Like how sexy can you make a front foot defensive? Not very is the answer. But uh, anyway, that's what they've got to do if they want to succeed at this high-level international cricket. Jimmy, just on the cricketers, we have a better chance to blood new players this summer series with two second-rate test sides. Uh, this will be make or break for the man with a thousand photos, Andrew McDonald. Okay, my opinion. Warner, gone. Carey, gone. Smith, gone. Lyon, gone. And if the top order can't fix their issues with the short ball, sacked a lot of them. Your thoughts? Jeez, Aaron, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one to keep evolving, but uh, I'm not baby out with the bathwater type situation. So uh, I would think that Steve Smith still has a lot of... Manus Labuschagne, a lot of good cricket left in him. David Warner. David Warner, too smart, said, oh, okay, I'm out but I'm announcing when I'm out. So then you're like, well, we might as well keep picking him. Uh, someone in Cricket Australia still has, well, okay, a keen on Cam Green, let's put it that way. Uh, he's been praised as the next be- big thing, but he just seems to hold that middle order spot with the average performances and undelivering. Reminds me of Matt Hayden back in the day when the openers were underperforming and Matty was averaging 100 for over a year in the Shield. He finally got his chances and the rest is history. He was in commentary again last night, Matty. Anyway, uh, that's from Adam on the Gold Coast. Crime scene said I got it exactly right. So uh, good on your crime scene. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, oh, Now, we're talking about all the jobs that Madge had. Uh, why is no one mentioning Madge's award-winning segment on the afternoon show, Paramat? I don't know, Paramat. I don't know. Uh, Bulldog Bob said this. Jimmy, the president of the Part-Timers Club would have to be Brian Bearshead Fletcher, part-timer of a footy field and... Does he ever work, Bulldog Bob? That's not fair. Here's the problem with Fletch, right? He's so funny uh, and he's so entertaining now that people forget how good a footballer he was. That That's Fletch's biggest issue. Steve rang in, got a little bit late for the 2 o'clock flock, and he just had a tip. Eagle Farm, race four, number two, Omudgy. So I had a look at the prices there at topsport.com.au. Eagle Farm, race four, number two, Omudgy. It's an each-way bet. Uh, $18 and $4.60. What about this? Now, he left this message with Coach K, so it will be trying. So that's from Steve. So, Steve, can you ring me when all those other ones you know about who won't be trying? Can you let me know when they're on? Because they're the ones I'd like to know about as well. (laughs) Controversial, Stephen. Uh, Hi, Jimmy. I think the third test in the Ashes with that contentious run-out decision since that, we have struggled. We could have lost the Ashes if it wasn't for the rain saving. Uh, that's just my thought. Marty, you're 100% correct. I know you slice and dice it whichever way. Yes, we retain the Ashes. That's great. However, it did paper over some cracks. Hey, Jimmy, this is Jace down in Narandra. The Aussies look old and tired in the cricket and are playing accordingly. Time to get some of those exciting uh, up-and-comers into the side. Um, overpass each way for me in the Everest. So high cruising speed. Jason, 
from Narendra. There you go. Keep those. Well, actually, don't worry about keeping the text coming in because we're just about done. That is all thanks to sbsfence.com.au. Go and see Alex and the team, the great people at SBS Fence. All right, let's break, and then we're back to wrap up the program, the week, the vibe. It's everything. Done. Done for the week. Done for the day. Done for the afternoon. Just done. Heading out to quarter. We're going to play a bit of touch footy this afternoon with the kids. Looking forward to that. Uh, then, of course, we'll be calling the Sydney Kings game. Get the Wildcats at Kudos Bank Arena. You'll hear that from 3.30. Tommy Gallup is back for another season. So we're looking forward to that. The run home with Joel and Sock coming up very shortly. And come on, people. Come on, voters. Men and women of Australia. You knew I was going to have my say on this. Vote yes. Please do the right thing. Vote yes. Um, and the beauty of a democracy is we are all free to do what we think is right. The traditional Everest Saturday at the Helensburg pub tomorrow, Jim. We're going noon to moon. Also looking forward to the Pacific Cup until Mal's terrible eligibility rule ruins international football for all. Thank you, Spanky. You have a great weekend as well. And then Rory up at Bitadaba. Avo all. Australian one-day team will not make the semifinals. We should not be picking squads to tour with injured players. Australian rugby is being laughed at. Australian cricket is next. And I love cricket. Uh, what a good way to finish on a Friday. So, Jack, you won the Signet Boost Power Bank with Luke Longley. The $100 cash. Troy, great call. Jason, great passion. How silly of me to say I can't help out with Harry. Harry, you've won the $100 cash, all thanks to Top Sport. In the meantime, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.